0: It is great to be in the house of the Lord today. Can you say amen? How many first time guests do we have here today? Will you raise your hand? Hands all over. Can we welcome all of our guests today? Now, we want everyone to know that you're a guest the first time you attend Countryside, but when you come back, you're just part of the family. We want at Countryside everyone to know when they walk through the doors of this church, first of all, that you matter. You matter to God. You matter to us. Your life matters. We also want you to know that you belong. In a world that says you don't belong anywhere and is constantly speaking at you with the culture that says there's nowhere for you to belong, you belong right here to grow in your faith. We want you to know that. And we also want you to know that there is a place for you and your family and your children Whether you're 100 years old or you have a newborn, there is a place for you at Countryside to not only just arrive, but to thrive. We wanna see lives and families thriving in God's house. Can you say amen? I wanna thank you for your generosity. Last week we received an offering for Convoy of Hope for all that's happening in Maui, and we were able to send out a check this week for $25,000 to Convoy of Hope. So thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, Just so honored to be a part of what God's doing in this house, but it's happening through you. You know, it's not a building. This church is not a building. This church is about the people. You're the church and it's our job and my job as a pastor to equip you, the church of God, to go out into our mission field week in and week out to lead people to become fully dedicated followers of Christ. That's our mission here. Everything that you see that we do, it's all pointing to the same mission. We exist as a church and as a body to lead people of all races and creeds and ages and generations, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background, to lead you to become fully dedicated followers of Christ. How many are committed to that mission today well today we're starting a brand new series pastor matt keller really introduced us in a great way wasn't that a wonderful service last week and what we're doing is we're going through this book called donkey mission and what he encouraged us to do we sold 1300 of these books last week and what we're encouraging people to do is to take not just one to read as we go through this book but also to give out as an invitation. You know that one person that keeps saying no? Give them a free book and say, hey, God's got a plan for your life. And so in the North Lobby, there's a lot going on, but at the information counter, you could get these books. They're only $5. They retail for $15, but Matt wanted to make them available so that we could buy multiple books so that we can give them out. How many know someone that needs Jesus in your life? All of us do. We also have them up in the student area with the children where you can purchase the books out there as well. But this new series, it's called, What's the Point? Let me tell you, over these last few years, there's been so much going on around us. The culture has changed so rapidly. It's easy to get caught up in the mundane parts of our life and wonder, what's the point of all of this? I seem to be going hard and working harder instead of better, and I come to a place where I constantly am feeling, what's the point? How many went to college in here? Did you ever go to college? I know my son was a business major in college. It's so crazy, sometimes you're a business major, but they have you take a class on European art. And you're sitting there like, what's the point? Last week I was calling you my credit card and I wanted to get information on something. What do they do when you get that, hello, welcome, and they give you this recording and they go enter in your card number, you put in your 16 digit card number, then they wanna know your zip code, you put in your zip code, then they wanna know the last four of your social security number and they put that in. Then they wanna know the birthday of your last child, you put that in. (laughs) And then finally, you get a live person and what's the first thing they ask? I need your 16 digit card number. What's your zip code? Last four your, give me actually, give me all three of your children's birthdays. You know, it's like, what is the point of all this? So over the next four weeks, we're gonna be looking at one story in the Bible out of 1 Samuel chapter nine, and we're gonna be looking at Saul. The first king of Israel, but it was way before he became king, and his father sent him out on what would be described as a donkey mission. Each week, we're going to be looking at the story, and we're going to be pulling out relevant things that we can apply to our everyday life, and we're going to look at Saul's journey in what seemed to be a pointless mission, but in this pointless mission, God was all over it from the very beginning you see saul's story is not like our story so often we're going through our journey and we wonder god where where are you in this and we run into a brick wall and we have troubles and we have trials and we have mountaintops and we have valleys and we we wonder god is it always going to be this difficult we're going to be looking at saul now Saul wasn't always making the right decisions. We're gonna see some of the times he made the wrong decisions, but I want you to know we're gonna be leading you in this series on looking at your life, applying these principles to your life, and believing that God is going to encourage your heart during these next four weeks. I wanna encourage you, make a point. We're going. what's the point? Make a point over these next four weeks to attend and make a point to invite someone. How many brought your Bibles today? Hold up your Bibles, your devices. You can even hold up your hand, whatever you wanna hold up. <laughs> Father, I thank you for your word today. We open our, ha- our hearts, we open this word, and we say, God, today, speak to us. We continue to lift up the situation in Hawaii, and we say, God, show up, bring healing and hope to where there's such hopelessness. We pray for this hurricane that's getting ready to hit California. Lord, I pray that you would put a hedge of protection around that state. Father, you would raise up churches to be a light and a dark place right now in California. We give you all praise and honor. Now open our hearts to receive in Jesus' name, amen. So if you wanna open up your Bibles, you can. We're gonna have on the screen all of the verses, but we're starting in 1 Samuel chapter nine. It says in verse one, there was a Benjamite now what that means is, there was a man that came from the tribe of Benjamin, and that's very important, so take note of that. A man standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorah, the son of Yomamah, the son of Yomamah, we got all these things happening in the Bible with all these sons. <laughs> Going down to the son of Aphia of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. He was head taller than anyone else. So we look at this part of scripture and we see from the very mention of Saul, Saul was a big deal. He was was something special. They specifically said how great looking he was, how tall he was. Uh, No. But you see that he was special from a very young age. But I want you to know something. Church, each one of you are something special. God didn't make a mistake when he created you. In a world that is constantly telling you if you are this, then you're special. If you have this, then you're special. If you look like this, then you're special, I want you to hear me clearly. Every single person in this room is something special. I wanna show you a picture of my two grandkids. I took it this morning. So, look at that. They're they're hungry to know what's the point too. You can see that behind them. (laughs) But from the very moment that my first grandchild was born, every time I held her, I would say, do you know what you are? You're something special. I'd say it every single time I saw her. And then she's turning one, I'm saying it. You know what, you're something special. And she would just smile at that age, but now she's five, the other one's three. You know what they say now? I say, you know what you are? And they go, something special. (laughs) I want them to know, countercultural that they are something special. No matter what what the culture says, no matter what your friends may say, what your parents may have said, what a a friend may have said, maybe a teacher might have said, a coach might have said about you, that put you in a place where you put a label over your head making you feel like you didn't matter and that you weren't special. Hear from Pastor Glenn today. You're something special. You're special to God and you're special to the people around you. God's word says that each one of us were fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one of us was made in the image of God. However, before Saul became the first king and then he had to know that first of all, he was something special and believe me, he knew he was something special, but he had to go on a mission that he would feel was maybe a little bit beneath him. Chapter nine, verse three. It says, now the donkeys, belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and find the donkeys. Here's Saul, tall, handsome, and his dad goes to him and says, hey bro, listen, I know you're good looking, I know you're tall, I know all of that. I see you every day. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to go, and I need you to find my donkeys. My donkeys are lost. Now in Saul's mind, can you only imagine what he's thinking? Really? I'm a big deal. Do you see the way the the girls in high school are looking at me? I'm a big deal. But yet, he was going on a mission that seemed so insignificant, and that's what we're calling a donkey mission. So when we refer to donkey mission in this book throughout this series, we're looking at insignificant in the eyes of so many, but very significant in the eyes of God. A donkey mission. Have you ever been on a donkey mission where you feel, where am I, why am I here? Let me, let me tell you, I know I have. I've been on many donkey missions. I'm probably on a donkey mission right now somewhere in my life. But for me, a a donkey mission here in the church, in 1987, I I went on a mission trip, and on this mission trip to the Dominican Republic, I felt God called me at that moment to be in full-time ministry one day. At that point, I had worked at the post office. I'd worked there for a couple of years, and I felt like God was calling me and I'm like feeling as I came off the mountain into the Dominican Republic, I felt like, okay, I've got one more year at the post office and then God's gonna open up the door and it's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be easy, I'm gonna be using my call for God, and it wasn't. You see, I'd never spoken before, I was insecure, I was shy, I didn't know how God would use someone like me to ever speak his word. I was serving in the four and five-year-old ministry, so I wanna thank those that serve in our preschool ministry. You are so important to what's happening here in the ministry at Countryside. And Elaine and I, we served in that ministry for five years. Uh, Then God opened up the door for me to be the middle school leader, not pastor, but leader with middle schoolers. (laughs) Talk about a donkey mission. (laughs) And there we were, serving and volunteering and coming and showing up. And how many have middle schoolers in here? Oh, stretch your hands out to those hands, oh Lord. (laughs) But here I was, I'm feeling called by God to do something great and here I am with a bunch of middle schoolers. I'm talking, what are they doing while I'm talking? They're talking. This is before social media, thank God, so they weren't just sending texts, they were sending notes. They were talking, patting on the person in front of them. And we did that for eight years. Eight years. (laughs) And halfway through that, God opened the door for us to come on staff part-time. In 1990, we came on part-time as the middle school director And I I couldn't believe how much I was making. God was blessing. It was like, man, I'm ready to go buy a new house. I made $80 a week. (laughs) But you know what? We were faithful to that donkey mission. It didn't seem like it was insignificant. We felt at times like parents were just dropping them off because they couldn't take it anymore. And they said, you take them for two hours and let me go and hear the word. Finally, I was hired in 1995, full-time, to be the high school pastor here at Countryside. Now, after working at the post office, it wasn't a year later, it was eight years later that I continued to work nights. And it wasn't like a postal job where I was able to go out and meet people. I wasn't able to, you know, spray dogs with mace. It wasn't fun like that. It was, it was in, a, in a big warehouse. And I sorted mail for 10 years. (laughs) Praise the Lord. In 1995, I couldn't believe it. God opened the door for Elaine and I to come on staff here at Countryside. We couldn't believe it, and I was hired to be the youth pastor over all of high school. And I thought, man, how many know youth pastors are like the cool guys? They're they're the ones with the cool shoes, and they they usually have muscles. I didn't have a lot of that going on, but usually they were the cool guys, and they were just talking to the kids straight, and they were, everybody looked up to the youth pastor. But when I got hired, something happened where the children's pastor decided he wanted to be the youth pastor, and so I quit my government job to be the youth pastor, but became the children's pastor. Now, back in those days, the children's pastor, they, they weren't cool. <laughs> in fact, there was a guy called the Donut Man. So I go from watching like Fire by Night and these cool things with these cool youth pastors and then their dramas and the videos and the skits till I started watching the Donut Man. And the Donut Man is like, hello, children. <laughs> and I felt... God, <laughs> I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna give it everything that I have and I'm gonna be obedient to you. It may not look what I thought it was gonna look like, but how often is our mission and the journey that we're on oftentimes just like those squiggly lines. They're all over the place. See, my line, if I was on God's mission, I felt that that line should be, Whoo. But what I was feeling in that decade was, woo, And I just held on, and as I held on, I said to God, whatever you put before us, we're just gonna be faithful. And the word says if you're faithful in the small things, that's how God will entrust you with the larger things. So no matter where you are in your mission, no matter what your expectations were and what God's called you to do, be all there and trust God. Can you say amen? <laughs> Verse four it says, So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Shalisha. Don't you love Pastor Glenn with these pronunciations? I know this is like a big weakness of mine, but they did not find them. They went on to the district of Shalem but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. So this morning, let's look at four truths about donkey missions. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. Number one, donkey missions test our patience. Now, I want you to know that the amount of time that he was traveling before these four different places was between 30 and 35 miles that they're traveling. They didn't have cars. They were traveling by foot or by whatever they were using with donkeys or whatever they were riding around, but it was between 30 and 35 miles. They looked in all of these four places and yet they found nothing. Have you ever been on a donkey mission that tested your patience? Maybe you're in your career, you, you were on a trajectory to get that next promotion, that next big raise, that next big opportunity, but yet what comes to you is somebody quit in a worser territory or a worse position, and you get your boss, and he calls you and says, I want you to do that one. Maybe you're a new parent, and you feel like, oh man, every day it's just more diapers, more diapers, more Diapers and then you clean your house, and as your kids get older, you continue to clean your house. You're in a constant cleaning your house because as you're cleaning, they're behind you messing, and so you clean, and you clean, and then you turn around, you're like, okay, now let's clean this again, and they're behind you, they're constantly behind you, and you feel like, am I ever going to get ahead on this stage that's in my life? I want you to know that may be a donkey mission that you're going through, and it will test your patience. You see, the problem with our culture, the problem with the culture is it's constantly saying, you need to be on top. You need that 15 minutes of fame. What we want, we wanna be in the palace. We're not looking to be in the field. We're not looking to be changing the diapers, cleaning the house. We're looking to be in that place in the palace. And we look at social media and we see everybody else posting this stuff and it's like, everybody's in the palace but me. And we can look and see, every, believe me, every, Pastor Kelly did a great job posting what the pictures really look like behind the scenes on those social media posts. But we look and we compare, that's, we fall into that comparison trap. They're in the palace, they got their fame, they got the happy marriage, they got all these things, but yet why am I struggling? Oftentimes we wanna quit the donkey mission, but it's during those times that builds our character It builds our our fortitude. It makes us a more patient person. You see, oftentimes in this culture, people want, kids want what their parents have, they just want it 20 years earlier. We, oftentimes we want what our bosses have and they work 25 years to get it, but we want it in three years or less. We want to be called into ministry maybe, but listen, I want to be on that stage with Pastor Glenn nine months into it or else I gotta find a new church. But that's what the culture says. But in reality, the journey takes time. And as we're in that journey and taking time, we're becoming better when we have the right reaction and we allow God to do the things that he's desiring to do in our lives and the process of our donkey missions. I love my mom's cooking. Mm. She makes this dish, she makes it for me about every two months, it's a big, ribeye roast beef and then she puts potatoes and carrots and broth in there and let me tell you as that's cooking I'm smelling this and I want to go and she goes stop it do not open that if you let that out then everything gotta start over it's it's simmering you gotta let that simmer because as it simmer the meat and the juices are then going into the carrots and the potatoes, and they're softening. And then after a couple of hours, you turn that up, and the steam comes up, and I just put my head over it. Mm. Mm. But the the roast beef is like so tender, it just falls off the fork. And the potatoes, and you put some of that gravy on it with with the carrots, and you kind of mush it up. Mm. But if it doesn't have that time to cook, it's gonna be crunchy, it's not gonna be flavorful, it's not going to be done. In the same way in our journey that God's called us to, it's the simmering, it's the time, it's the, the allowing God to do and flavor us the way that he desires to season us in our lives that's going to make us absolutely unstoppable. Can you say amen? Verse five. When they reached the district of Zuf, Saul came to the servant who was with him and said, "'Come, let's go back, "'or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys "'and start worrying about us.'" Saul wants to quit the donkey mission. He's tired. He's tired from walking. He's tired from going from town to town. And then his ego kicks in. I'll just tell my dad, "'Hey, sorry, I couldn't find him, "'but you know what, I'm safe.'" remember, I'm I'm that guy. I'm I'm something special. I'm good. And oftentimes we want to leave our, our donkey mission when things become uncomfortable. And let me tell you, God's not always worried about our comfort when he's dealing with us on our mission. I can look back at the times that I was most uncomfortable was when God was up to something that was so great that I couldn't even imagine it because it was in that uncomfortableness that I was developing and that I was growing. You see, God's not concerned. It's not his number one priority to go, oh, it's okay, baby. We love when God does that, but oftentimes it's a stretching, it's a pulling that's going to make us stronger and make us better. Our journey's not a straight line. It's usually all over the place. Saul's patience, obviously, was being tested on this donkey mission. Verse six, says, but the servant replied, look in this town, there's a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us where and the way to take. Saul said to his servant, if we go, what will we give the man? See, it was customary in the days that when you saw the man of God and you saw the prophet, that you would present him with a gift or you would present him with money. Says the food in our sacks are gone and we don't have a gift to give to the man of God. What do we do? The servant answered him again. Said look, he said, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Number two in your notes. Donkey missions keep us humble. They keep us humble. Can you imagine? I wanna give it in like today's perspective. Here he is, Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome, doesn't have any money, doesn't have any food, and now he's having to go to his servant and asking him, what do I do? What are we gonna do? And he had to humble himself. Think of this, think of Billy Graham coming to our town. Billy Graham, the great evangelist Billy Graham. Man, everyone loves Billy Graham. Billy Graham's amazing. Billy Graham meets with presidents. He's like talking about world peace. But I gotta get to Billy Graham so I can ask him where my bike is. (laughs) That's kind of the same thing. Here's the great prophet of the land, Samuel. Everything he says comes true. I gotta get to him so I can ask him where our donkeys are. Humbling. And he doesn't have money. He's having to bum off money. Have you ever been humbled on your donkey mission? I know I have. Verse 10, it says, good, Saul said to his servant, come, let's go. So they set off to the town where the man of God was, verse 11, as they were going up the gill to the town, they met some young women. Oh yeah. They met some. Now, it's not by accident that these were young women. And these were testosterone filled, young, good looking men on the donkey mission. They meet up with these young women coming out to draw water. Happened to need some water at the time. And they asked them, Is the seer, which is another word for prophet, here? Verse 12 says, He is, they answered. He's ahead of you, hurry now. He just come to our town today for the people to have a sacrifice at the high place. Number three in your notes, donkey missions test our integrity. Here they are, focus on finding these donkeys. Now focus on finding the man of God and then the young ladies come out, hello, (laughs) hello. That's my missed outfire, just so you know what that is. There's always distractions when we're on a mission because the enemy hates us and he wants to deceive us and he wants to throw us into a pit and there's always temptations, there's always things to try to make us fall so that we can get outside of God's perfect will for our life. Be easy to think that, okay, I'm looking for this donkey, but God has something greater, there's more. I've seen more people with huge potential in ministry, outside of ministry, that fell into temptation in the middle of a season where they felt that they were ineffective and lost. You see, that's what the enemy wants you to feel. When you're on this mission of God, it's not gonna always feel the most productive, you're not always gonna be on the mountaintop, but God's looking for you to be faithful to what he's called you to today. So often we could go, well, but in 10 years, 10 years, what about today? What about living a life of integrity today? What about living a life of truth today? You see, oftentimes in this culture, I see people, they get frustrated and they quit a job, or or they quit a ministry, or they quit a church. Oh, you know, I'm just not feeling anymore. Oh man, Pastor Glenn, I don't even know what he was talking about today. Oh man, they, that worship, it was good, but yet they didn't do my favorite song. Or we, or we quit tithing, you know, I, I'm not, it's not working, you know, it's, I, you know, whatever. I'm not, I don't wanna do it God's way, I wanna do it my way. Or you quit a group, we quit serving. You know, nobody even notices that I do it. Let me tell you, when I was in those eight years of middle school, with those buck wild kids, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of people noticing what we were doing but yet we stayed faithful. We see people, they they quit a marriage and have an affair because they were discouraged and don't have the same fire. Listen, that's the time you come together and you say, I will not quit in Jesus' name. If God is for me, who can be against me? But oftentimes because we feel like ourselves and our lives aren't bearing the kind of fruit that we, that we desire, we just quit. This is for someone. Don't quit on that wife. Don't quit on that husband. Don't quit on those kids. Don't quit on those wayward children that are adults now. Don't quit praying. Don't quit reaching out. Don't quit on your finances. I believe God's getting ready to see a breakthrough in that area of your life. Don't quit on your friendships. Don't quit. Don't Quit, if you hear me today, my testimony, as oftentimes as I felt like quitting, I didn't quit. And God's saying to you, church, don't quit because you're on the brink of something great in Jesus' name. Verse 14. Oh, amen. Verse 14, they went up to the town And as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming towards them on his way up to the high place. Now this goes back to 24 hours earlier in this scripture and it says, now the day before Saul came, the Lord revealed this to Samuel. So this is the day earlier. It says about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. You see, we. We go back to the beginning of the story. It had to be a man that was in the tribe of Benjamin. And then it goes on to say, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people for their cry has reached me. And then it goes into present day, the next day. And when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about that will govern my people. What if Saul would have quit after town one? What if Saul would have quit what seemed so insignificant in his journey and just said, I, you know, I'm tired. Oh, these lovely ladies, ooh. He had so many things and so many obstacles. If he would have quit, he would have missed this moment that God called and revealed himself to Samuel. Number four, remember this. Donkey missions are always about something greater than donkeys. You see, at the exact time that Saul seemingly was on his donkey mission, at this moment, God was speaking to Samuel. Saul wanted to give up, but God was speaking to Samuel about him. We never know when our donkey mission is leading us to our greater mission. Donkey missions are the very thing God uses to prepare us, to season us. It's the very thing that leads us into our greater mission. But the key is, in the process, we have to be humble enough. We have to be patient enough. We have to be, a, um, we have to be faithful enough to trust God while we're on those insignificantly in our mind donkey missions. You see, 42 years ago, This November, I came to this church in a living room as a 15-year-old, insecure, lost teenager. That moment would change my life forever, 42 years ago. 33 years ago, I started volunteering as the middle school leader. 28 years ago, I became the children's pastor when I thought I was gonna be the youth pastor. 28 years ago, wow, where does the time Go. I know a lot of you are like, I can't believe he's that old. I am that old. I am. <laughs> 20 years ago, I was the number two man of countryside serving Pastor Lloyd with everything that I had and never thought I would want to ever be a lead pastor anywhere, let alone here. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel like I had that ability. I didn't, no way. 13 years ago in July, I became the lead pastor of, to me, the greatest church in America right now, countryside. Seven years ago, I went through the most difficult time of my ministry life and personal life. Seven years ago, that was the greatest moment that I wanted to absolutely give up everything and quit. And then five years ago, God redeemed everything that the enemy meant for harm for me and set our church into the greatest season that our church has ever seen in our history. Right now, we're in our greatest season we've ever seen as a church. This past summer, we baptized over 350 people in water. 350 people. This past summer, we took, including leaders, almost 400 people to summer camp with high school and middle school and the leaders. We saw 650 kids coming to vacation Bible school. Every single week we are seeing growth. We have grown as a church in one year. Because of your faithfulness, we've grown by 40%. Look at what God is doing. But what if we would've just quit? It's too hard, COVID, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do, we're gonna just shut down? No! We're going stronger than we've ever gone before because that's what God has called us to do. Let me close with these three challenges. I wanna encourage you to stop spending so much time worrying that you, about your greater mission and say, God, I'm committed to the mission I'm on today. Number one, these three challenges. Start being faithful to your donkey mission, wherever that is, whatever that is. The second thing, don't let anything be beneath you. The fastest path to promotion in God's economy is serving the least of these. Being in a place of least recognition, that's God's economy. Because Jesus came to serve and not be served. Serve the donkey mission of the Father of God and watch how he will line up things in your life and they will build to that greater mission. And the last thing, stop seeing things as pointless and start seeing everything you're going through as practice. Let me tell you, when I was teaching four and five year olds, that was practice. I may not be a clown today, like I was then, but it was preparing me for this moment right now. Those eight years of practice with middle schoolers, if you could preach to a middle schooler, you could preach to a room full of adults, let me tell you that. All of those years, at times were discouraging. At times I felt desperate. At times I felt lost and hurt and pain, but it was leading me to the greater mission that God has for me. Just as he's leading you. As you're faithful in the small things, watch what God will do as you're faithful And you continue, it's the Lord that opens the doors. It's the doors that are opened by God that give you the opportunity that will give you as you delight yourself in the Lord. The word promises, he will give you the desire of your heart in Jesus' name. Do you receive that word today? Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we love you so much. I pray over each and every person. There's people in here on a mountaintop. And Lord, we praise you on those mountaintops. But there's people in this room right now that are hurting, that that feel lost, and they feel alone. I pray, God, that you would encourage their heart, you would heal where there's brokenness, and you would bring peace that passes all understanding in the midst of where they are in their journey with you today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. The one that had the greatest mission was Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, he had 30 years that I'm sure there were times, he probably felt, what is going on? I'm ready to go, I'm ready to lead people to God. But yet, 30 years were preparing him for the great mission that he had three years of. And what he did, he lived a perfect life for you and for me. He went to the cross, he bore a criminal's death, a bloody death, a horrible death on the cross for the sake of mankind. He, he bore that cross for the sake of us for our sins and our redemption. He rose on the third day and is at the right hand of the Father right now, praying for you and I. And today, here is an opportunity for you to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, to allow him to cleanse your heart, to allow him to take what the enemy meant for harm and turn around for his good, to allow him to be your God. In a world that is godless, Jesus is real and Jesus loves you And he desires a relationship with you today. And if you're here today, I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna have you stand up. But I want you to know, this is a moment between you and God and me. And when I count to three, if you wanna be included in this closing prayer to say, I want Jesus to be my savior, when I count to three, will you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Yes, 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 yes. Raise it up high so I can see. Thank you, yes, yes. Dozens and dozens of hands, yes, yes. Hands all over, yes, yes. Praise God. Church, can we give the Lord a great praise offering? It's harvest time here. Will you pray with me? As I pray this prayer, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. You gave your life so that I might have life. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and truly my best friend, in Jesus' name.
1: And everyone said, amen. I love you, church. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. We love you, too. Would you stand with me now to receive your blessing? And as the altar prayer team comes to the front, I wanna encourage you, if you raise your hand, we have a book to give you. It's called A Fresh Start with God. We just want to help you on this journey you are on with Jesus. may seem like a donkey mission now. He's got great things for you. But to receive your blessing, if you would just open your heart to the Lord, maybe turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you with a heart of faithfulness to the mission he has for you right now. May the Lord bless you with patience in the midst of your preparation. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday.